This is the Bible in one year, day 90. How to overcome your fears. Millennials, those born between 1981 and 2000, are sometimes known as Generation Fear. In one of her most popular songs, Lily Allen sings about being taken over by the fear. Fear carries two meanings in the Bible, one healthy, one unhealthy. In the good sense of the word, it's usually used in the context of respect for God and sometimes of respect for people, especially those in authority. In the bad sense, it means to be frightened. We are supposed to fear God in the good sense and not to be frightened of anyone or anything else. Many people live today with the opposite. They don't fear God, but their lives are full of the wrong kinds of fear. How can you overcome your fears? From Psalm 39 I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good. But my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me. While I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of fools. I was silent. I would not open my mouth, for you are the one who has done this. Remove your scourge from me. I am overcome by the blow of your hand. When you rebuke and discipline anyone for their sin, you consume their wealth like a moth. Surely everyone is but a breath. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. I dwell with you as a foreigner, a stranger, as all my ancestors were. Look away from me that I may enjoy life again, before I depart, and am no more. Be honest about your fears. All of us experience fear. You can try to suppress and deny your fears, or you can be honest and open about them. David comes before God with some burning questions. He's tried being silent and still, but found that his anguish increased when he wasn't communicating with God. He's realized how much of human life is spent in anxiety and fear. However, the brevity of life gives perspective to our anxieties. Life is fleeting. Our lives are but a breath. Fear often concerns money. Human beings bustle about, but only in vain. They heap up wealth, not knowing who will get it. David is particularly concerned about the suffering that he sees around him and in his own life. He cannot understand how God can allow it. He's so incensed by God's actions that he even prays, Look away from me, that I may rejoice again. In the midst of desperation, 
It's healthy to voice your concerns and grievances to God. God understands that suffering will cause us confusion and grief. He went through the worst of it for us. This psalm does not provide the full answer to those fears about suffering. Yet right at the heart of the psalm, as David lays his fears and anguish and frustration before God, we see that he finds the answer in his relationship with God. David declares to God, My hope is in you. And his prayer at the end is a recognition that he depends completely on God for an answer. Life's too short to worry about stupid things. Pray, trust God, enjoy life. Don't let the little things get you down. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Be not deaf to my weeping. New Testament from Luke 8 Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. 
so he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Keep trusting in Jesus. There may be times in your life when fear seems overwhelming. Sometimes, like the COVID-19 pandemic or the horrific war in Ukraine and the resulting cost of living crisis, it comes like the unexpected storm that the disciples experienced. This section starts with an extraordinary combination of intimacy and awe. Jesus says of his followers that those who hear God's word and put it into practice will have an intimate relationship with him. They are his mother and brothers. Intimacy and fear, in the good sense, are not opposites. They complement one another. This is true of the best relationships, whether in marriage, in close friendships, or with parents and children. Extraordinary intimacy is combined with healthy respect. The disciples experienced two different types of fear when they were on the lake with Jesus. When a storm came, they were in great danger. And the disciples were afraid. They woke Jesus and said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. He said to his disciples, Where is your faith? Again, we see the contrast between unhealthy fear and faith. Jesus said to them, Why can't you trust me? The answer to their fear is so simple and yet so hard to put into practice. I found it's a lesson I have to keep relearning. In the midst of your fears, keep trusting Jesus. Keep putting your confidence in him. Sometimes Jesus calms the storm, as he did here. Sometimes he lets the storm rage, and he calms you. The disciples' response to Jesus is one of healthy fear, absolute awe, amazement, and humility in the presence of Jesus. They ask each other, Who is this? Their question is answered by the demon-possessed man whom Jesus heals. Jesus is the Son of the Most High God. When those tending the pigs saw the man healed, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, they were afraid, scared to death. They asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear. Too much change, too fast, and they were scared. This was again the wrong kind of fear. They were afraid because they'd lost valuable pigs. What would it be next? They could not see the immense value of one person's life. They rejected Jesus out of fear. But Jesus had no fear of them or anything else. Jesus had an interesting approach to follow up. The man who'd been demon-possessed wanted to go with him. However, Jesus' approach is to get him involved in telling others straight away. He says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. In encountering Jesus, he'd encountered God. Luke interchanges how much God has done for you. 
and how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus is God. This is why ultimately Jesus is the answer to all our unhealthy fears. Don't be overcome by fear, but overcome your fear with Jesus. Lord, give me a healthy fear, oh, amazement and humility in the presence of Jesus and a faith in him that delivers me from all my unhealthy fears. Old Testament, from Numbers 29 to 31. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly and do not do any ordinary work. Celebrate a festival to the Lord for seven days. Present as an aroma pleasing to the Lord a food offering consisting of a burnt offering of thirteen young bulls, two rams, and fourteen male lambs a year old, all without defect. With each of the thirteen bulls, offer a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with oil. With each of the two rams, one-fifth, and with each of the fourteen lambs, one-tenth. Include one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and drink offering. On the second day, offer twelve young bulls, two rams and fourteen male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bulls, rams, and lambs, offer their grain offerings and drink offerings according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings. On the third day, offer eleven bulls, two rams, and fourteen male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bulls, rams, and lambs, offer their grain offerings and drink offerings according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and drink offering. On the fourth day, offer ten bulls, two rams, and fourteen male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bulls, rams, and lambs, offer their grain offerings and drink offerings according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and drink offering. On the fifth day, offer nine bulls, two rams and fourteen male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bulls, rams and lambs, offer their grain offerings and drink offerings according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and drink offering. On the sixth day, offer eight bulls, two rams, and fourteen male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bulls, rams, and lambs, offer their grain offerings and drink offerings according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and drink offering. On the seventh day, offer seven bulls two rams and fourteen male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bulls, rams, and lambs, offer their grain offerings and drink offerings according to the number specified. 
include one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and drink offering. On the eighth day, hold a closing special assembly and do not do any of your ordinary work. Present as an aroma pleasing to the Lord a food offering consisting of a burnt offering of one bull, one ram, and seven male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bull, the ram, and the lambs, offer their grain offerings and drink offerings according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and drink offering. In addition to what you vow and your free will offerings, Offer these to the Lord at your appointed festivals, your burnt offerings, grain offerings, drink offerings, and fellowship offerings. Moses told the Israelites all that the Lord commanded him. Numbers chapter 30 Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, This is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. When a young woman, still living in her father's household, makes a vow to the Lord or binds herself by a pledge, and her father hears about her vow or pledge, but says nothing to her, then all her vows and every pledge by which she bound herself will stand. But if her father forbids her when he hears about it, none of her vows or the pledges by which she bound herself will stand. The Lord will release her because her father has forbidden her. If she marries after she makes a vow, or after her lips utter a rash promise by which she binds herself, and her husband hears about it but says nothing to her, then her vows or the pledges by which she bound herself will stand. But if her husband forbids her when he hears about it, he nullifies the vow that binds her, or the rash promise by which she binds herself, and the Lord will release her. Any vow or obligation taken by a widow or divorced woman will be binding on her. If a woman living with her husband makes a vow, or binds herself by a pledge under oath, and her husband hears about it but says nothing to her, and does not forbid her, then all her vows or the pledges by which she bound herself will stand. But if her husband nullifies them when he hears about them, then none of the vows or pledges that came from her lips will stand. Her husband has nullified them, and the Lord will release her. Her husband may confirm or nullify any vow she makes or any sworn pledge to deny herself. But if her husband says nothing to her about it from day to day, then he confirms all her vows or the pledges binding on her. He confirms them by saying nothing to her when he hears about them. If, however, he nullifies them some time after he hears about them, then he must bear the consequences of her wrongdoing. These are the regulations the Lord gave Moses concerning relationships between a man and his wife and between a father and his young daughter still living at home. Numbers chapter 31 The Lord said to Moses, Take vengeance on the Midianites for the Israelites. After that, 
you will be gathered to your people. So Moses said to the people, Arm some of your men to go to war against the Midianites, so that they may carry out the Lord's vengeance on them. Send into battle a thousand men from each of the tribes of Israel. So twelve thousand men armed for battle, a thousand from each tribe, were supplied from the clans of Israel. Moses sent them into battle, a thousand from each tribe, along with Phinehas, son of Eleazar the priest, who took with him articles from the sanctuary and the trumpets for signaling. They fought against Midian as the Lord commanded Moses and killed every man. Among their victims were Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. The Israelites captured the Midianite women and children and took all the Midianite herds, flocks, and goods as plunder. They burned all the towns where the Midianites had settled, as well as all their camps. They took all the plunder and spoils, including the people and animals, and brought the captives, spoils, and plunder to Moses and Eleazar the priest and the Israelite assembly at their camp on the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho. Moses, Eleazar the priest, and all the leaders of the community went to meet them outside the camp. Moses was angry with the officers of the army the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds who returned from the battle. Have you allowed all the women to live? he asked them. They were the ones who followed Balaam's advice and enticed the Israelites to be unfaithful to the Lord in the Peor incident so that a plague struck the Lord's people. Now kill all the boys and kill every woman who has slept with a man but save for yourselves every girl who has never slept with a man. Anyone who has killed someone or touched someone who was killed must stay outside the camp seven days. On the third and seventh days, you must purify yourselves and your captives. Purify every garment as well as everything made of leather, goat hair, or wood. Then Eleazar the priest said to the soldiers who had gone into battle, this is what is required by the law that the Lord gave Moses. Gold, silver, bronze, iron, tin, lead, and anything else that can withstand fire must be put through the fire, and then it will be clean. But it must also be purified with the water of cleansing, and whatever cannot withstand fire must be put through that water. On the seventh day wash your clothes, and you will be clean. Then you may come into the camp. Fear God and nothing else. The episodes in this Old Testament passage are deeply shocking to our modern ears. Some parts of the Old Testament seem to be very difficult. There are no easy answers to these issues. Sometimes all we can do is hold on to what we know about God's love and goodness and trust that there is an answer even if we do not fully understand it. What we can see in these episodes is that the people of God in the Old Testament had a very healthy fear of God. They did not take access into his presence for granted. They knew that their God of love was a God of justice. 
who take sin and rebellion very seriously. The key for us as Christians is to interpret all this in the light of Jesus. First, Jesus is the one perfect sacrifice. The decreasing number of bulls sacrificed each day from 13 to 7 to 1 points ahead to a time when no sacrifice would be needed any longer. Jesus, the one perfect sacrifice, abolished the need for any further sacrifices. Second, in Jesus, there is neither male nor female. These regulations about vows seem both to try and protect women and discriminate against them. We need to remember that most ancient societies were patriarchal and men were considered the leaders of the family. These regulations were probably therefore designed to protect women in situations where they were prevented from fulfilling a vow they'd made. However, we need to read this through the eyes of the New Testament and in particular through the words of the Apostle Paul that in Christ there is neither male nor female. This passage in Numbers is responding to a cultural context, not establishing a principle about gender. Third, Jesus said, love your enemies. As we read of the vengeance on the Midianites, it's a reminder how seriously God views those who try to lead people away from following him. It appears that the Midianites had deliberately tried to do this, first through sex and then through military opposition. Nonetheless, we must also read this act of judgment through the lens of Jesus who said, love your enemies. The key to all this is the cross. At the cross, we see again how seriously God views sin and the full extent of his judgment. Yet we also see that his ultimate desire is to bless and redeem us all. This transforms our response to passages like this. Paul writes, Do not take revenge. Rather, we are to live lives of love. As St. John writes, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. This is the way to overcome your fears. Lord, thank you that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. Help me to love you and not to be frightened of anyone or anything else. Pippa adds, I wouldn't like to pray as David prayed in Psalm 39, asking God to show him his life's end and the number of his days. I would rather choose to trust God that when he takes me home, it will be the right time. But I am aware how fleeting life is and how fast it's going. It does make me ask, am I doing all that I should be doing each day?